Hi, welcome to the It's All About Relationships podcast. I'm your host, Justin Bird. This podcast is for people interested in making sustainable, qualitative relationships their objective. I want world peace, and I build world peace one world at a time, beginning with the relationship with self and extending outward to marriage and family, friends, community, and world. So if that's an objective you want to take up, come along. Hey there. Good day. Greetings. Happy to be back posting another episode. This episode is going to be the first part in a series of uh, a rather long interview with uh, Chuck Zolanis. Chuck wanted to interview me about my book, The Grand Design, he uh, found the idea of there being a universal pattern in all relationships intriguing, but but he wanted more uh, application to daily life. And so I sat down with him and expound the formula found in the book and talk about it in different areas of life, talk about parenting, talk about marriage. Um, I talk with him about social issues and fear and faith and how the grand design can be understood um, as a formula for an individual's relationship with God and as an individual's relationship with a spouse, with children, and with others, which is something I've promised to provide here on the podcast. And I think that this interview is just the perfect uh, solution for that. So I've chopped this interview up uh, and I'll be posting them here on the podcast and on YouTube as well. So tune in, and if you'd like to grab the book, just click the link. So here we go, part one, interview with Chuck. Well, thank you, Justin, for involving me in this process. It's been a long time coming, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, since fall 2013 is what you said? Yeah, I think it's been about since then that I wanted to really put out some videos about some of the things I was learning. Mm. And they were just sort of piling up like water behind a dam. Mm. You know, big stacks of paper getting bigger and bigger, journal entries getting, digital journal getting thicker and thicker, and then you come along and poked a hole in me, and now it's coming out, so. Yeah, so tell me, um, I guess, a brief summary of your book. So my book, The Grand Design, is bringing to light a pattern found in three main areas. Procreation, um, human connection, every connection that two people have, and then the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ as a story on earth from beginning to end, Adam and Eve through Christ's second coming, is outlined um, it's the it's the temporal unfolding of this pattern of this this uh, pattern that's found also in procreation every human connection it's also the gospel of, of Jesus Christ in temporal it's temporal unfolding on the earth from the start to finish so it's the pattern of all creation really is what you're saying yeah it is so procreation is the 
I would call it like the pinnacle form or manifestation of this pattern, but um, every other creative act cascades down from that. And how did you find this pattern? Like, what, what brought it about? I went through divorce, and then I went through divorce again, and I got really ashamed after that. I um, was dealing with feelings of failure. I was dealing with feelings of, I wasn't suicidal, but I was, I was, I was edging. I just sort of started looking for hope and solution, but essentially I asked a question, what, what have I done wrong so that these marriages didn't work? These marriages didn't work. And I started getting answers, but not directly. It's, at first, it didn't, they didn't seem like direct answers to the question. By answers, I mean ideas, epiphanies through personal study, um, through introspection, doing personal inventory. Um, I was spending a lot of time on my knees, prostrate, um, on the floor, praying, meditating. Over a period, I guess for a, a period of um, maybe yeah, three to five years, I lived pretty, pretty much like a mom. I was getting up at 3.30, 4 a.m. and um, running, exercising, getting the blood flowing, clearing the sleep fog, and then writing and just doing the work um, that one does when one realizes one can't fix the external world and the only world left to give one's attention to is the internal world. Turns out there's a lot of work to do there. <laughs> uh, uh, I've heard it said that the longest journey is the inward journey. So I would just, I would, I, I just, I keep meticulous record and I would I would journal and I would draw a lot of my understanding would come in the form of visuals. And that's so why I would draw these pictures. I was in a stream and I, it was just, it was more laborsome to break away from the stream than, uh, than anything else. So I just kind of stayed in that stream for a long time. Didn't date, um, just kept receiving answers to my question. And, and over time, I began to see some correlation to marriage. I began to see how my question, my original question, what have I done wrong in marriage, really was being answered. Hmm. So, how, what was the main answer that you came up with? Um, what I did wrong in marriage was what I was doing wrong everywhere. Because the way I am in relationship is the way I am in relationship with all things. So the way I'm in relationship with a spouse, or a girlfriend, or my children, or my sister, or my parents, or I, I'm in relationship. My patterns of relating with other remain consistent regardless of who that other is. And that extends to God as well. And so I guess the answer was really a, a formula of relationship. And so understanding this formula has helped you to improve your relationships. Yeah, I've, I have resumed dating, and um, I'm not remarried, but I intend to, and I feel hopeful that when I do that, it will be different. Hmm. And my other relationships are way better, and that's the, fr from the success of my other relationships do I draw the confidence of being able to produce a sustainable, happy marriage when that time is, you know, when I, 
when my when it when the fruit is ripe <laughs> for that. And this has improved your relationship with God as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's really the beginning and the end relationship. That's the uh, that's for me. That's where it began, and for me, uh, that's where it ends too. Even as I relate better and better with others, I find that God is there. God, God is first and primary in me, in the way I relate to myself. Um, but God is also in every other, so it, the way I relate to others, I'm relating to God also. God, he's you know God's pretty all encompassing this way in that He will be on the far left of the scale and on the far right of the scale, and then everything in between, uh, and then those ends of the scale sort of wrap up into one great whole. Hmm. So basically. Based off of your relationship with God, you can determine how you're doing in your relationships with other people. I think and vice versa too. Okay. So if you've got really good relationships with one person per se, and then a terrible relationship with another, that what what is it? So the, so God superimposes him herself into other. So I I, I see relationships for formulaically, and, and the formula really exists between self and other. Now, these are marker points or placeholders. So, so I am in the position of self, the way I navigate existence, but the way you navigate existence, you are in the position of self, and I am in the position of other. I am your other, and you are my other. And um, God positions him herself um, and, I, and I say it that way because I've come to see the divine femininity of God e even if God is you know dogmatically patriarchal male um, there are there are I can't not see divine femininity in God's interplay with with humanity so I, I like to just constantly remind myself of that sometimes with my pronoun usage. Um, but the way God, one way that God teaches us is to superimpose him herself in the position of other. And specifically the least of these others. So scan the, your, like I would, if I was consulting an individual, I would say, scan your world of other, which is everything besides you, right? Because yourself and everything else is other. And then find the others that you hate the most. Like, find the others that you cannot stand the most. And unfortunately, God is there. God is behind that other, even backing up that other, being that other's advocate. Um, not, ad not necessarily endorsing or condoning every action they take, but advocating for that other in the sense of, uh, wanting them to have the fullest and richest lived experience possible to fill the measure of their creation, so to speak. So it's required you to have a little more empathy. Yeah, you. I, I don't. I, I just don't. This whole idea of like I have a great relationship with God. God loves me, and I'm good. But I cannot stand this group of people or this other particular. I mean, I don't think that's congruent. Hmm. I think that 
you have to stop listening to the whisperings of God at some point to get comfortable with that separation. There is no separation, really. There, are, there is a threshold be, in the formula between those two placeholders of self and other. There is a threshold which serves as a, as a veil which gives the appearance of a separation. I acknowledge that, but, but experience and creation is a matter of going through that whole formula in, into a full, like a full circle. Um, Joseph Campbell identified this in literature, he called it the hero's journey, where the beginning and the end is at the top of a circle, and you journey around the circle and you cross a threshold twice. Um, and the completed journey is really the full measure of experience. And so if, if, you, if you get stuck in this idea that there's really like I and thou, and there's self and other, and we're separate, and, that's, and it's, it's okay for me to have tons and tons and tons and if you'd have nothing and it, I can hurt you and cause violence to you and even kill you through warfare and it has no effect on me that is that's blindness that's that's short-sightedness it's it's really being duped by the veil and really believing in the separation which which isn't the way things really are it's it's purposeful it serves a purpose it's part of the design for a reason but that reason is not to perpetuate um, an eternal separation. Uh, even if it ends up being that way, in some cases, for certain reasons, it's not. The design isn't to journey from the top of the circle to the bottom of the circle and then stay there forever. And then just have one player here and one player here and then they're forever separated. That's not, that's not the long view it's not the complete picture of the design, the grand design. The part that catches me up is, what is that veil? What is that blindness? Well, that, that threshold, mm -hmm. the veil, is, is pretty complete. Um, it's pretty all-encompassing. and It would depend on which application we're discussing. So if, say for example, you hate a person, yeah. what, what is that veil? Well, it, it's the idea that you and that other person are separate. It's the idea that that person can be disposed of with no negative consequence to self. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's pretty ubiquitous. I mean, uh, you know, warfare. Um, I studied political science, uh, so learned about different um, countries and, and cultures. Um, read a lot about genocide and... Um, you know, communism and the deaths uh, resulting therefrom, and every, every, everyone in those stories is really wrapped up in this idea that other is, you know, they're cockroaches, they're untermenschen, they, they're, they're, dispo they're disposable. Whenever we start thinking that another is disposable, I think, is, is when we actually, be, we actually inflict self-harm, but we don't know it because we don't recognize ourself in other. So, part of us is in these other people. Yes. How? All things are interconnected. Um, creation exists as a state of interdependence. And that word clues us into the state of things as they really are. So, the same way international 
speaks to re, you know relations between na nations, um, uh, interdependence speaks to a state of dependence between two things standing in relationship. So you have a dependent and a dependent, and their mutual dependence on each other um, is what interdependence speaks to. You know, this idea of karma is that what you send out in the world comes back to you. That speaks to the interdependent reality of things. And this, this idea of, full, of going full circle, <clears throat> it, it, it's, it's, it, it happens naturally. It's not, it's, not like a, it's not like a round that can be broken. It's not a ring you can snip. It's not, like a, it's not actually possible to live, you know, half of the circle, or it, it, I shouldn't say it's not possible to experience half the circle, because I, I think it is, but, um, it's not the life you want to live. It's, it's, you're not feeling the full measure of your creation if you live, if you get halfway through the circle and then stay there. I th and I think that's what damnation in the theological sense would be, right? So in, in applying this formula to the gospel, I would, say that the word, the, the theology of damnation is stoppage at one of these two marker points. Okay, and that is like, are you talking about Satan, or are you talking about... Yeah, sure. It's, I mean, Joseph Campbell said all the gods and all the devils are in us. So I am talking about Satan as a spirit, child of God, unembodied, you know, living on earth. Um... In Islam, they would call those people the jinn. But those entities whisper to us, right? And it's their ideas that are satanic. It's their ideas that if we adopt, then we become like the devil. You know, Christ, when dealing and talking with the Pharisees, was constantly calling them the children of the devil. He's saying, You're, you obey your father, I obey my father. Um, so... <clears throat> Yeah, I'm talking about the devil, and I'm talking about the devil in me, and I'm talking about the devil in my exes and my kids and in you, and in all of us have. We're, all, we're always either choosing what God would want us to choose by listening to the whisperings of his spirit, or we're choosing the things the devil would want us to choose by listening to the whisperings of his spirit. And that's really all we're ever doing, is choosing between those ideas. So how do you tell what's from the devil and what's from God? Through trial and error. Through experience. So like you're talking about this damning threshold. What leads you to that damning threshold? What are these ideas? The veil. Uh, the, the ideas are um, Again, depends on the application. If we're talking the gospel of Jesus Christ, it would be the fall and it would be the flesh. Um, if we're talking about interpersonal relationships, it would be fear. And it would be maybe selfishness in, in the way it's traditionally defined. Um, so the, the, at the thresholds, you, it's, at the thresholds, it's a matter of receiving and giving. And... In the way that we receive, um, I, I, I think of that as a feminine. This, well, let's talk about that later, I guess, because I haven't brought up the fact that this formula is gendered. 
this formula speaks to a, a gendered duality, a, a gendered interplay of principles and ideas, very much like yin yang. But at the threshold, we're receiving and then we're giving. And I think of it, I think of those thresholds of, of it being like a cup, an empty cup that once it's filled becomes a pitcher. The overflowing cup becomes the pitcher. And so we, in the way that we receive and how we receive, then naturally want to share. And that very much follows the pattern of why we're doing this right now, why, why I wrote the book and why we're filming these videos is because I, I felt very empty at a certain point in my life, like an empty cup, and I, and I began to be filled. And at some point, I just, you know, get filled up and it overflows and I just, I just want to share it. Just, it's naturally, it just happens that way. And so what, what dams that process is not receiving and not giving. It can happen either way. We can be damned if we're not receiving the resources our needs require to sustain our lives. And we can be damned by not giving and sacrificing. Sacrifice is a principle whereby we break through this dam. And so likewise is receipt. Hmm. So like submission, sacrifice is kind of what you talk about. In right, yeah, so um, I, in the book I, you know, I redefine receipt as submission. That, that, that submission is positioning for receipt. So um, just like the mouth of a bird in a nest that needs the worm from its parent bird, um, the whole position of the mouth is submission, right? It, the mouth is submitting to the worm, to the food. It's, it, it literally has to conform itself in order to receive the resource its life requires to sustain itself. I've, I've thought of when, like, there's different cartoons where they have a bird and they don't get what they want. So, like, say, for example, you're giving it a worm, but then it turns out to be, like, a, a shoe or something like that. Oh, boy. Well, that's, that's part of the trial and error, yeah. learning what's from God and what's from the devil, right? We, ever since Adam and Eve, we are in a position here on Earth where we're, we really don't know right from wrong. We really are as, as children, and we're being taught by these forces, right? These whispering forces of light and dark. And so there are going to be some times where we genuinely think that we're going to be getting what we need, the resources our life requires to sustain itself, but it's a false idea. And we choke on it, right? And it causes us a lot of pain and we can waste a lot of time, we feel, by being fed shoes instead of worms and getting all sorts of other kinds of ideas fed to us that we, you know, in, in innocence perhaps digest, but then the way it sits inside of our bodies, that's, that's really where I think um, discipleship or um, true religion, spirituality comes into, it, you know, spiritual practice, it's referred to, or spiritual experimentation. Um, experimenting with the Word of God, which is truth. So any true idea would be the Word of God. And 
the way we experiment with that is very similar to digesting um, food. And, and so we, we have to sort that out by the way an idea feels in our body and, and by the result of it, you know what I mean? Um, I think doctors tell health uh, by what comes out the other end. You know, you know poop is kind of a, it's a, it's, a, it's a strong indicator of health. Likewise, we need to really um, spend time observing our lives and the results of our choices. And we need to spend time in reflection meditation. Um, reflection meditation uh, really is the posture of observation. It is the stepping out of a judgment or a concept of what is already right and wrong and, you know, doubling and tripling down on what we already believe and stepping out and just watching watching what comes out the other end. When we make a choice, it's going to be followed by a consequence naturally, sometimes quickly and sometimes further down the road. And our ability to watch that is what will help us know God from the devil hmm. in, in our consumption of ideas. So it requires a lot of observation. I think observation is... Um, the key. For, to, to the master of illusion, observation is the only enemy. And where we sit behind the veil, being separated from God by the veil, referring now back to religion, the way we get through the veil is by observing the illusion of the veil. Um, you can't make an observation without light. So when you refer to having the light of Christ or um, the light of truth, um, you are also referring to awareness and observation. I think, that's, I think you're referring exclusively to that. So you walk into a room that's pitch black and there's all this equipment in the room, chairs, furniture, and stuff. You don't know that. You have no idea what's in the room. When you turn the light on, you know, you have knowledge and you're totally aware, but nothing in the room changed. If you want to learn more, order my book. It's called The Grand Design. The link is below. It's available on Amazon. And it outlines this pattern found in all relationships and illustrates it in three specific examples. Getting yourself familiar with the pattern will make shifts in your mind and in your heart that will begin to open new awareness about your present relationship needs. To get more help applying this pattern to your present relationship needs, reach out to me. I'm Justin Bird, wishing you the very best with your relationship sustainability. Es wird doch alles wieder gut. Nur ein kleines bisschen Mut. Loving you.